This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today you're in the driver's seat because today we're interviewing some of you. Lisa retired at 50. How did she do it? What numbers did she grapple with? Tom gives financial education presentations to friends. How does he organize his classes and how does he keep them fun? We'll talk to both of those stackers today. Plus, while you've maybe seen the volatility in stocks and crypto, you may have missed the big moves in precious metals. We'll chat with a precious metals expert from Granite Shares. CEO Will Rind will help us learn more. Later, we'll magnify Nick's money, who asks about getting creative with his 529 college savings account. And I'll get your stomach growling with some food-related trivia. And now, two Texas-based guys whose stomachs growl every time you say the word barbecue. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I wasn't born in Texas, but I will tell you, I've learned to adapt to barbecue, OG. Barbecue is nice. And Tex-Mex. Oh, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Living in Texas for the Win. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And we're back for a Wednesday, and we're back here with you. You are the star of the show. Every week, Mom has a show-and-tell down in the basement, our Facebook group, and we took some people that were nice enough to share some of the things that they're doing. And Lisa and Tom stepping up to the plate today, OG, to share their stories. We're going to do that. Plus, we've got a mm, a headline that we kind of alluded to on Monday. And Will Ryan here from Granite Shares. Man, we're packing it in. Packing it in. 60 minutes of fun. Uh, But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. 
State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. We got a great show, Lisa, Tom, and Will. But first, we've got a headline that, man, you're going to want to hear. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from CNBC. This was written by Hugh Son. Wells Fargo, back in the news. I knew where this was going. When you mentioned it on Monday, I was thinking, I bet she's going Wells Fargo on this one. And deleted. Yeah. The company that's made lots of uh, great steps lately. Lots of headlines. Says, uh, tell their customers it's shuttering all personal lines of credit. They are not going to offer any more. They're saying goodbye to personal lines of credit, the revolving lines of credit, which typically let borrowers uh, have between 3000 to 100000 or access to, I suppose, 3000 to 100000 were pitched as a way to consolidate higher interest credit card debt, pay for home renovations, or avoid overdraft fees on linked checking accounts. The cool thing about Wells Fargo OG with those checking accounts, you applied for one, you got like yep. five. You got 10 of them. It was incredible. Wells Fargo warned customers that the account closures, quote, may have an impact on your credit score, according to a frequently asked questions segment of the letter. All right. I'm not worried about your credit score. Maybe we'll talk about that a little Ooh, bit later. Why not? I should be well, worried. The, yeah, that's not the <laughs> that, that's not the biggest thing here. The biggest thing is, what about all these people that tell us, OG, I don't need an emergency fund because I got all this credit. Look at what companies can do to your credit. Well, I mean, it happened in 2008, you know, during the recession lines of credit were tightened. And and I saw this personally. I mean, we have great credit, tons of it. I would say maybe more than I need, maybe just a skosh more. But I noticed this at the beginning of COVID, there's a company out there who is very persnickety, extra bonus points if you can spell persnickety. And they send us an email and said, hey, you're not using this line. We're cutting it by a third. And then about two weeks after that, they went, yeah, you're still not using it. We're cutting it by another third. We went from a $20,000 limit to a $5,000 limit. It in fact does. But if that was your you know, emergency fund money, you might be in some trouble. Or what's worse is when, let's say you have a $20,000 line of credit and you have $10,000 charged on it and the economy takes a crap and Wells Fargo or Bank of America or Capital One or American Express or whomever goes, yeah, your new limit's 10000 And you, I know you said, I don't care about your credit score, but what do you think happens when your credit utilization goes from 50% to 100%? Uh, agreed. It blows yeah. up immediately. It's like a you know nuclear explosion. And you didn't do anything wrong. You were at 50%, now you're at 100%, just like that. Credit score in the toilet. I guess I overstated my opinion there. I, I do care about credit scores. To me, that is not the important thing. The important thing is this drivel that I see online all the time from people going, well, I'll just pull money out of my stocks. What happens if it was just a month ago last year and the market's down 30% and you have 
have no place to pull from except stocks that went down. I just think that's ridiculous. I'll take money out I, of my house. I'll take money in my rental properties. I, you know, it's the same thing that everybody says, but I can tell you, you know, we were talking about rentals last, uh, uh, last show on, on, uh, Monday, we have hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity in our rental properties. And it is next to impossible in our circumstance, great credit, good income, all the accoutrements that one would need almost next to impossible to get equity out of the, it's just because we live here, the properties are there. Banks want to deal with low, you know, it's just, there's a, it's a perfect storm for us, but that story of, well, I'll just, I'll just wait until I have equity and then I'll have that as my cash reserve. It's great on paper. It's not great if you need the money, because guess what? Banks are pretty smart. They have a lot of risk management people and they know when people want to access the credit, it's not because of a great opportunity. <laughs> right. You're not like, I have such a wonderful opportunity to use my credit card today. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to use it. <laughs> it's because something's going sideways, you know, and they, and they figure that stuff out long before you do even. So be careful. This is why I don't like taking advice from well-meaning people who have looked only at their personal situation and, and that's it. I mean, you and I, in some ways, were very lucky that we've gotten to see hundreds of people's uh, situations. And when you multiply and you see these big numbers, things that, that the average person OG does not see ever in their entire life, you and I would see happen once a week right. to somebody. We'd see these things. So when you think about the law of larger numbers and the fact that calamity can hit at any time, it's so much better to just be ready than to go, no, I've never needed that, so I probably won't. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a personal loan with Wells Fargo right now, they're not going to say, hey, by the way, it's all due tomorrow. That's not going to happen. So you don't have to worry about that. But they're not going to issue new credit. They're not going to allow you to draw on it anymore. anymore. But what's going to happen is what we were talking about before on the credit card thing is, let's say that you owe Wells Fargo 10,000 bucks. And you'd say, well, normally if I put, uh, you know, if I make my payments for the next two years, all of a sudden I owe them $5,000. Now I have 50% utilization. Well, no, they're going to say you're right at the max. So if you're looking at at it from a, how does this affect me? And you go, well, it doesn't affect me. I'll still make my payments, that sort of thing. Well, it's going to affect you because they're going to lower the available credit to equal whatever your balance is. And if they do that, then your credit, that that card, that line of credit, so to speak, is going to always show maxed out. And the computer isn't smart enough. The FICO people aren't going to give you bonus points for getting screwed by Wells Fargo. It's not like, well, you had a 680 credit score, but you got some Wells Fargo accounts, so we'll keep bump it up by 20 because you got screwed. But that is a good point. Even though it won't give you any new credit, let's say that you owe $5,000 to it and you pay off 1000 you owe 4000 It's going to show your cap at 4000 and your utilization is 100% of that. Then yeah. you pay it down to 3000 which means if you need your credit anytime coming up soon, even though it doesn't give you access to new money, you may want to pay this loan off first. Exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, this, this one's going to want to go away sooner than later if you're in the market for new credit. If you're buying a car, if you're buying a house, or you're buying a rental, or you have student loans to deal with or something like that, if you're going to have somebody run your credit in the near future and you owe Wells Fargo money, it might make sense to kind of shift those priorities a little bit of how do I pay this down and kind of go against the grain, so to speak. Well, the snowball method says to, uh, I know, or the, the interest rate method says to, 
I understand. But this one also is going to kind of ruin your life for a while. So if you owe Wells Fargo money, maybe you, you work on not owing them money. One person I want to never owe money to is uh, Doug, who's standing right. Tell me about standing, it. Standing that dude right is behind. ruthless. And if you think Wells Fargo's <laughs> bad about collecting money, holy moly. And he's so passive aggressive with it, too. He's like, hey, uh, just saying, I was looking in my account the other day, and I noticed I didn't get a deposit from Stacking Benjamins again. It's like, yeah, I know. He, you haven't got one in 10 years. Why do you think you're going to get one now? And he talked about me being passive aggressive on Monday. So... It's a circle of life, baby. Uh, Doug, what do you got, man? I think it's uh, trivia time. Have a seat. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And okay, onto the script. Wait a minute. We got nothing? Again? So much for the vaunted SB writing team. Old Doug gets to carry the mail once again for everybody. All right, let me, I'll figure this out since they dropped the ball. Uh, let's see here about today's holidays. Uh, oh, Shark Awareness Week. Uh, you got your National Tape Measure Day, uh, National Mac and Cheese Day. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold it, people. Hold it. National Nude Day. Oh, sweet. Man, uh, just get the arm through that hole and then just unzip there and it, hold on. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, that is much better. Wow. And and now that we're all relaxed. And speaking of noodles, in which century was the earliest time someone wrote about the deliciousness that's made millions of dollars for craft called mac and cheese? I'll be back faster than you can get naked and start the revolution. Well, now you got your to-do list, don't you? You're ready to go dive in and be better at money than you were an hour ago when you started listening to the show. And you know what? For a great partner, become a member at Navy Federal Credit Union because becoming a member at Navy Federal could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, when you're thinking about debt, as I've said before, a lot of people have debt. Very few people have a debt strategy. Well, with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Make the plan, choose the best option because both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Stackers, you've heard the bad news. Mint is shutting down. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, well, there is some good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money, it's what Cheryl and I use to manage our money. I, as you know, advocate a weekly meeting and Cheryl and I live by that weekly meeting. We sometimes miss it, but we get back on the horse and half the reason is, is because we consistently get updates and reminders from uh, Monarch money. I'm a notifications off kind of guy. 
But with Monarch, I want to see the notifications because it helps us collaborate. We have our goals right next to the short-term spending that we have when we open up the app so we can see exactly what we're truly going for. And, you know, compare that thing in the moment that we want with what's the long-term goal. It's truly the next generation of personal finance apps. If you've been frustrated that there's ads all over your app or it's difficult to use or doesn't get updated, the Monarch people were too. And that is why they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, your investments, your transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you head to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. That's monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. You're going to get to kick the tires for 30 days, which I absolutely love because you want to make sure that it's for you. And I think the longer you use it, the more you will see like I did, that uh, it's intuitive, number one. It has this very simple design that makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. It's easy to collaborate. Uh, Cheryl has her login. I have mine. We can set up how we want. And you can send it to your financial advisor as well to have them have a login, anybody who's on your team. And you know what? No extra fee for that, which is amazing. It's all customizable, customer-focused, ad-free privacy you can trust. They'll never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. So after trying out Monarch for myself, I get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, you can try too with an extended 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm your bestest pal, neighbor Doug. And I got to say, dropping a few layers down there makes all the difference. Although I'm not sure how I feel about Joe and OG joining this trend. I mean, eyes forward, Doug. Eyes forward, Doug. Let's go with a little professional distraction maneuver here and get back to today's trivia. The question was, when was the earliest occurrence of mac and cheese? Although popular legend claims Marco Polo, probably one of Joe's mom's old boyfriends, that dude supposedly introduced pasta to Italy following the exploration of the Far East in the late 13th century. Pasta can be traced back as far as the 4th century BC, where an Etruscan tomb showed a group of natives making what appears to be pasta. I'm sure it was pasta primavera, maybe pasta pre-Mesozoic. <laughs> Wait, it would have been pasta post bronza zoic. Whatever. So much for that joke. I kind of, that one bombed. All right, I admit it. However, mac and cheese, well, that wasn't introduced until the 14th century in Italy. Let's see if I can wrangle up a sample for the gang. Okay, I'm heading upstairs. Wow, these chairs kind of stick to you when you get up off of them when you're au naturel. Huh. All right, sweet. Mac and cheese around longer than... Uh, Is it bad that I was thinking of, let's see, when did Kraft become a company? <laughs> oh, they didn't invent macaroni and cheese? Oh, but you think they did because they're so awesome at it. You're you the name. ice in your glass, jingling. <laughs> you, <can't> jing <laughs> you tell we're not recording this uh, at, at 8 a.m. Hey, uh, 7 a.m. Big thanks 
by the way, to the people that we're about to talk to, we got, th- these are my favorite episodes. Let's start off this discussion, OG, with Lisa. Lisa has some great news. And you know what? Let's call her up and find out exactly Lisa's good news right from her. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's a woman with an amazing story, one that I think a lot of us hope to get to someday. Lisa Pines with me. How are you? Doing great, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I think you're probably doing a little better than great because you just did something amazing a couple of weeks ago. You retired. I did. Yes. A week and a half ago. Does retirement still have like the new car, the new car smell? Does it have the new car feel? It definitely does. It just at this point feels like I have a few days off in a row. (laughs) So let's go through that process because a lot of people, you know, are wondering, how do I know it's the right time? How do I make this decision? What do I factor into it? So when did you start? Because you retired young, you retired at 50? Yes. And when did you start thinking, you know, I might be coming up on the time or has this been a goal for of years for a long time? Mm. I would say around seven years ago or so, when my husband's and my jobs both started finding us spending more and more hours at work and having a more difficult time taking time off, we just decided to see if we could make a push for early retirement. I work for a public university and the minimum retirement age to be able to claim a pension is 50. So that was an easy target for us to shoot for, not really knowing whether or not we would make it, but with that as our goal. So that's kind of how we decided on the timing of it. And then we kind of just worked from there. We'd been saving into retirement accounts a little, you know, kind of nothing too remarkable along the way. We'd finished paying off my husband's student loans. And then we had recently finished paying off a business loan. And so um, we knew that we could live without some additional money that was coming in, which, by the way, just to mention, we while we were paying off student loans and paying off our business loan, we continued to contribute to our retirement accounts. I know there are differing thoughts about that, but I found it helpful just to keep the habit of saving, even though we were paying off debt, even though it wasn't a lot, it just kept us in that habit and um, also By the time we finished paying off our loans, we didn't feel like we came out the other side with nothing saved. So we had been establishing that habit. And then once our loans were paid off with some of that extra money that felt extra at that point, um, we increased our contributions to our retirement accounts. I love that idea. I want to stop you right there because this is something that I see a lot of stackers mess up which is that they will find a bill, like in, in your case, it was it was student loans. By the way, it's kind of funny to me and not lost on me that we're talking about student loans and retirement at the same time. Like 20 years ago, we would have never been doing that. And now today, people are like, hey, I got my student loans paid off. I might as well retire. So <laughs> a whole different world. But on a much smaller level, people will pay off this. You know, they'll find a cheaper cell phone plan. They'll save themselves $50 a month and they high five themselves, but they never automatically save that money. So I love the fact mm-hmm. that you got the loan paid off and then took that money because you'd, you'd never had that money in your pocket and you instead put it toward your future, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it was definitely helpful. And you, you don't really notice a difference, especially if you make that change right away. Now on the pension, the pension is such a wild beast, as you know, you probably had several different pension options how did you work your way through the pension decision? 
Well, first of all, I have to say that I feel like extremely fortunate to even have a pension because I know how rare they are now. Yeah. Although uh, retiring at the minimum age, you know, the way that the pension's factored is based upon your years of service to the university as well as your age. And so my age being the very minimum that you can retire means that that multiplier turns out fairly low. So my pension's not huge, but it's it's there and it's um, much appreciated. And the way that we decided on which option to go with was the option where if I pass away first, my husband receives almost but not quite my full pension amount. Okay. Um, so we based that on the fact that I won't be around, so I won't be an expense. <laughs> and also... Just the fact that, you know, later in life, we will have Social Security, which will have kicked in, which we don't have now. And so that's kind of how we made that decision. I'm thinking about, Lisa, your Social Security is going to be less. That pension, to your point, is going to be a lot less. There must have Mm -hmm. been some real hand-wringing about, man, do I stay? Because these numbers get much better over the next 10 years. Yes, and I will tell you that in speaking with a few different financial planners, both Um, one that we use privately and more so the ones through my employer asked us to consider that also asked us to consider separating now, but deferring the pension for 10 years, which is an option because it does make your age higher, which means higher pension and also adds cost of living adjustments, which makes your pension higher. But the reason uh, for my particular employer that I, I did not go that route was because Again, very fortunate that my employer offers um, health insurance, which I know for a lot of folks who are trying early, that's really a concern. And so uh, my employer offers health insurance where I pay a premium, but they pay the majority of it. And that's based on a certain number of years of service and uh, minimum retirement age, again, of 50. So had I deferred my pension, I would forego that benefit. And so that's how I made the decision to go ahead and start claiming that lower amount pension starting um, at 50. You, you mentioned financial planners and sounds like you met with a few of them. I just want to ask you about those meetings because I hear that you meet with different people and you get completely different experiences. Tell me about mm-hmm. your experience with uh, some of these financial planning meetings. Yeah, well, um, you you mentioned how do you get through some of the hand wringing and that's part of it was kind of getting a you know, second opinion hearing the encouragement to think about continuing working, but ultimately with some of the different calculations that were run for us, as well as running my own calculations, it really did seem like, you know, we were okay. So even considering that we're on the younger side, we'll live longer in retirement, we hope, going below that 4% rule, even looking at three and a half or three and a third percent drawdown, you know, oh, nice. feeling so you okay. Could, yes, yeah, so you could easily do it on those numbers then. Yeah. And I think what really helped with that was a few years ago, I started tracking our expenses because I think that was one of the biggest ways that I eased my mind was because here we were sort of thinking that we could do this, but it was fairly nebulous until really understanding how much we were spending in order to come up with, you know, what our percentage of our investments that we could live off of in retirement. I'm smiling because you turn into like a startup now for the rest of your life, hopefully, where you've got a burn rate is what you're talking about, right? <laughs> like how, how soon am I burning through all this angel investing money that I gave myself? Gave, gave myself. 
turning this around the other way now, you talk about how it's all new and it just feels like an extended vacation. Do you see yourself earning money again in any way? Possibly, but I don't think that we'll have to unless we just decide that we, you know, want to be able to spend more. But I think if we stay at our current spending rate or even increase a little bit, I think we'll be okay. But we might just more for fun. We've talked about traveling to national parks and working there for a season so that your lodging, so to speak, is paid for, but you get to explore when you're not quote unquote working. My parents did that with Florida state parks and spent a whole summer at Ichna Tuckney. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. So that's one of the things I've, you know, we have a couple of other ideas that we might consider doing down the line that we're still formulating thoughts about, but I don't know that I wouldn't plan on going back into my same profession. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> I think I'm done. <laughs> uh, anything that surprised you or anything we missed that other people in our stacker family should hear about the process of getting to where you are now? Um, you know, I was surprised by once we really started putting our minds to it, how much we were able to save to prepare for retirement in ways that we, we've always sort of um, been you know, semi-frugal, not, not terribly so, but uh, we've never really had cable or satellite and to, you know, recent conversations on the show, we've almost always just drink water. <laughs> so say, you know, save just in little ways like that. You know, now we don't order adult beverages in restaurants unless it's a very special occasion you know, at home, we have a, a soda stream and a lemon tree. So we have instant spin drift that we don't have to pay for. <laughs> so that's for Paula. <laughs> yes, right. Right. We need them as a sponsor. And by the way, people that only listen to Stacking Benjamins and don't listen to Afford Anything have no idea what the hell we're talking about, but that's fine. That's great. But spin drift, if you want to sponsor the show, please. <laughs> and then um, we stopped shopping at some of the more expensive grocery stores and started sticking to farmers markets and Trader Joe's. And um, we also shop using Imperfect Foods, which I heard Paula mention on the yeah. show recently. Yeah. And then also just little things like we used to take every year, we would take a trip for our anniversary. And then for each of our birthdays, we would take like a long weekend and go away somewhere. Um, now we've cut that back to we still take a trip for our anniversary. But for birthdays, we just do day trips. And that has saved us a lot of money. And then some of the other things that worked for us too, we worked aggressively to pay off our house. And then again, that was money that we were used to having to put out every month. And so shifting and having that go into investment accounts and things like that were surprisingly, not to say easy, but added up quickly, I'll say. Yeah. I love the compounding of the little actions that create this big, big change. Well, congratulations to you and to your husband. This just seems like you're starting off this cool new adventure and can't wait to hear more about what happens next. Thank you. Thanks so much, Joe. Congratulations again, again to Lisa. Isn't that awesome? At age 50. Yes, you missed that it's one. So good. Hey, easy. No, I'm saying it's clear that you're very clear. That you're over 50. Older than 50. Yeah, I noticed we're wearing our glasses. Both of us wearing our Felix Grays today. Because they were sitting here. So I put I them on. They're so comfortable. I should get the kind that actually improved my vision. <laughs> they're, not, they're not sponsoring this episode, but uh, I just noticed it. I'm like, hey, speaking of old men, we're both wearing glasses. 
while we podcast. I think there's so many lessons from what Lisa talked through there. And I think the biggest one is just running those numbers ahead of time. And then the second thing I think is that it's as much about what you're going to do afterwards. Like she said, it's surreal now. Like she's just on kind of an extended vacation. Super extended. (laughs) But at some point it starts to sink in that she's got a whole second half of her life, which is super exciting. That's, that is, that is great stuff. I love talking through the feelings of what you feel like when you go through that. Cause hopefully you want to do this once, you know, there's also been, I don't know if you've seen lately, uh, there was a huge run up, uh, for people that don't follow this in the commodity sector. And now I'm seeing all kinds of people wondering where commodities are going next to the moon. We have, <laughs> we have no, that is crypto. But when it comes to things like gold and silver in your portfolio, what's that all about? Well, Will Rind is the CEO of Granite Shares. And uh, you know what? I think we should talk to Will, OG, about where we think this is this is headed next. Lumber's down, hogs are down, gold is down. But is this the end of this nice run-up we saw in commodities this year? Well, we have the man who knows on my dad's shortwave radio. Will Rind is the founder and CEO of Granite Shares, back with us again in the basement. Will, so happy you could make the return. How have you been this year? I've been well, thank you. Yeah, it's been um, a funny year, you know, many respects, but um, hanging in there. Yeah, tell me about this downturn recently. I've read a lot uh, in preparation for this interview. Some people saying, well, the shine is off. Other people saying this is just supply chain things, right? Like the lumber issue recently now finally being solved. Why do you think prices have come down a little bit the last few weeks? Well, specifically with lumber, that was a bubble, you know, that was formed really on the, you know, huge rush that people had in terms of, you know, reopening the economy getting construction started, people doing renovation projects that, you know, while they were locked down, um, had sort of nothing else to do. It was kind of time to renovate that basement. All of that stuff was really kicked into into high gear. And then you had, you know, supply problems getting the lumber to the market. But that's come down because obviously now we've got the summertime, you know, kids are out of school for the most part. And um, people want to go on vacation. They don't want to do uh, renovation projects and uh, so that activity is slowed, and that's caused um, the lumber price to come down. When it comes to the other commodities, though, and even the price of gold, as you know, uh, through granite shares has come down, what's going on there? As we all know, the key thing here is inflation. And the Federal Reserve and those officials have been talking about inflation being transitory, is the, is the word that they keep using. What that means is they expect inflation to not be here over the longer term. This is a short-term thing. Um, that is a reaction to the economy reopening. And so because of that, the market and gold, for that matter, um, is sort of responding to that transitory uh, commentary at the moment. So that's why you have gold prices that are a bit lower. And that's why you have the stock market continue to make all time highs. Now, obviously, here's the key question. You know, is it really transitory? And if we continue to have inflation, I think, you know, throughout the summer period, indeed, we come into you know, the end of summer still with elevated inflation, that could be a serious problem. I think this is something that, you know, it's a risk that the market's not really priced in at the moment, which is a breakout in inflation. I've I've watched some previous interviews that you've done. I know around election time, you had predicted that inflation might be a problem this year. We've obviously seen with all the stimulus that's come out. Is that the key thing going forward, Will? Inflation is one thing I look at. Are there others I look at as well? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, inflation is the most important thing for all of us from our own wealth perspective. I mean, that's the key thing. In terms of commodity markets, commodity markets will always be driven by supply and demand. And so it's the supply of that particular material or commodity coming onto the market and then the demand for that particular commodity at a given time. So if you have more demand than supply, and that's a situation we've had in a lot of the key commodities, sure. like oil, for example, then the price of oil goes up and that in of itself causes inflation. That is inflationary. So the effects that people will see is, you know, higher gas at the pump, uh, higher gas prices, you know, and then that knocks on through any product that is, you know, petroleum or gasoline based. I want to widen this discussion. If I'm an investor with the average portfolio, where do metals and commodities belong in, in the average portfolio? First of all, obviously, I suggest that people should have an allocation to particularly to gold in any portfolio, but you could extend that to broad commodities as well. For the simple reason that it gives a different return stream than equities and bonds. So you have the stock market at all time highs at the moment. You have, you know, interest rates at or near record lows. So you're not really getting much yield from the bond market. And if anything, yields are going to rise, uh, which is going to be bad for bonds. So put some commodities in there. That's a diversification play gives you an alternative source of return from equities and bonds. And in this particular environment, you've got a situation where commodity prices are rising. So, you know, you should think about a hedge uh, in your portfolio. So gold, broad commodity, ETFs, that's a great way to do it. I was reading a piece just literally 15 minutes ago describing crypto as the new gold, as a new commodity. Do you see crypto as a commodity of the future? I think it's much more like a commodity, I think, than a currency. And so from a commodity perspective, it's an asset that people want to trade, albeit it's completely digital as opposed to, you know, a physical. It has no application or use in the real world, unlike the commodities that we know. But look, I think, you know, here's something that is very popular uh, with people at the moment. And, you know, because of that, I think it's here to stay. I'm not sure that it's going to go away. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has a lot of the attributes, obviously, that people associate with commodities in that it has that volatility and that ability to be traded. But yes, uh, time will tell whether that's um, the inflation hedge in the same way as commodities. I thought that I know crypto is an area of expertise, but I read that just before talking to you. And I thought, well, if anybody will have an opinion on that, it certainly is you. Last time I talked to you, granite shares were fairly new. Now I see you all over the place. You guys have a little twist on commodities, though, with what you do. Tell everybody a little bit about Granite Shares. Yeah, sure. No, so we are a you know, award-winning investment manager, a money manager. Uh, we focus on ETFs or exchange-traded funds. That's a specific uh, sort of expertise that we have. And what we try and do is we try and launch ETFs that are a little bit different from your average, uh, you know, fund that people can buy. So on the commodity side, we have our gold ETF, which is BAR or BAR is the the ticker. And that's one of the lowest cost ways to invest in physical gold. So you can have physical gold in your portfolio, meaning that the ETF is actually backed by bars of gold, real bars of gold that sit in a vault. Strange um, name, by the way, for that for, for that ticker, B-A-R. Like how many consultants, Will, did it take to come up with, with that ticker? Uh, not, not many, my, <laughs> myself and uh, some of my colleagues, we, we think about the ticker codes, you know, that's quite a lot. The, that's the low, low, low cost way to get that done too, right there, right? And keep Yeah, it. exactly. It's important though, to be able to, you know, ideally you, but just by looking at ticker code, 
you know what the fund is about or yeah. what the investment does. I mean, that's the real key to success. If you're in bar, you know, and you're talking about gold, oh, gold bar. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean so to, the same thing for platinum. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't mean to interrupt. I just couldn't yeah, let no. that go. So continue. Yeah. So we, we have the same thing for platinum. Our platinum ETF is PLTM or like short for platinum. Um, and that's exactly the same construct as bar or gold in the we held physical bars of platinum in a vault. So it gives you exposure to the platinum price. And then Combi, which is our broad commodity suite, think of it like the S&P 500 for the commodity world. And that invests in a uh, index of commodity futures. So it's a regular ETF, doesn't generate a K1, and it's the lowest cost way to invest in broad commodities in the U.S. today. And if, and if you're wondering, by the way, and we'll have all those ticker symbols and a link to Granite Shares on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Will, thank you for helping us with all this volatility lately. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for helping us kind of get a handle on it. Pleasure. Thank you so much, Joe. Big thanks to Will. Inflation, 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 inflation. Seeing it everywhere. Food prices in particular. Yeah. I was glad to see when you talked about lumber prices coming Coming back down? Coming back, yeah. I'll be interested to see how that affects, uh, you know, the supply chain. And, you know, you're hearing the stories of home builders just canceling orders going, yeah, it's going to be an extra 70 grand. I, by the way, found an Xbox for the first time last week since this you said. chip crisis. Yeah. Did you buy it? I did not buy it. I couldn't pull the trigger. That's th This is where the financial piece of me comes in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I found one. All right, I'm good. And I, I even, I got all my credit card information into the retailer. I'm like, no, no, not gonna, not gonna do it. I will do it. it. Just, it takes me a while to spend that kind of money. That's a smart way to do it. Some stackers out there that may feel that where I'm like, I want to spend this money so bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I just can't. I just, uh, I will. I will. Priorities. Yes. Speaking We're of- We're going to talk about being frugal in a few days, I think. Well, it, we are going to. Yeah, absolutely. In two days. Hey, uh, one uh, thing that's also important when you talk about priorities, teaching people around you to be better with money. It's fun to bring the community with you. And as our friend John Holt Bryant says, how much better is it when more of us become wealthy? Well, to do that, we need some basic information. And Tom Arnberg is a guy who has been teaching for the last couple of years financial education. He's not, he's not a pro OG. He is just a dude who loves to teach and talk about money. So let's hear what another cool stacker in the community is doing. Let's say hi to Tom Arnberg. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's my new friend, Tom Arnberg. How are you, man? Great. Good to see you, Joe. Nice basement here. Well, thank you, brother. I say new friend, but whenever we do these episodes and I meet stackers, I feel like we've kind of been talking in the same group for, for a while. How long have you been listening to the show? Oh, it'd be at least five years, I think. Okay. Yeah. Because it feels like I've known you forever and asking you yes. if you'd help us out here was like asking a friend, but you, you do something very interesting. You're not a financial educator by trade, but you've done these financial education classes. Tell me about how you started doing those. Well, I'm an engineer, so I have nothing to do with finances, but I started reading Mr. Money Mustache. That's how I discovered you guys back in five or six years ago. And I, I realized I was doing a lot of things right, and but some things I had to learn by reading books. But the bottom line is we have five kids who are now grown and their friends started asking questions. So a lot of their friends made good money, but 
didn't know how to manage money at all. I, I put together these slides. I actually have 209 slides, but I, I get it. I can do it in one hour. I talk fast. And I thought if, if I can convince them in one hour of some basic financial management things, then that's my gift to paid for it more or less. And so I, I do it for free. We give a dinner and we I make homemade hot pot sundays, which is out of this world. So I do some multi-level marketing tricks to get people. I was going to say, you're, you're bribing people <laughs> to get this goodness in them. Uh, yeah. So far, it's just my friends and their kids and my kids' friends and people from our hometown and our church. But uh, I've done it about 34 times now, and I've got 30 people on the waiting list. We do about six at a time, have a nice dinner, and then uh, go downstairs to my home theater and show my slides. And it takes about an hour and a quarter. And then I have Q&A. The last class, uh, we went like two hours with extra questions. Wow. And, and people people just need someone they can trust. And I have no ulterior motive. I'm not going to charge them anything. I'm not trying to get a commission. I have a lot of my old Eagle Scouts come back when they're in college. And I always invite them. And you know, they have nothing for them to lose. But they trust me. And so they, I, it's really fun giving advice that's unsolicited, basically. And most people are pretty good listeners. What are some of the cornerstones that have worked over the years for you, Tom? Just the basics. I mean, nothing that you wouldn't have heard years ago, but um, I divided my talk into four sections. The first section is save money and start early. That's the the 80% of the battle, obviously. I only spend a little bit of time on that because everybody else covers that already. So one one of my subtitles for my course is the Dave Ramsey grad course. I mean, you have to understand the basics first. If you can't save money, then the rest of it's meaningless. I touch on that just to give a few examples of house and the car are the biggest two problems for most people. And so I give examples of my personal life, ways we've screwed up and what that screw up would be worth now if we put it in the market instead of buying a, a house before we needed a house, for example, and also a car. I interned at Generous Motors in Detroit in 1980, believe it or not, way back. And one of my coworkers bought a brand new Corvette as an investment. And, and he spent $18,000 in 1980. And I looked it up. That same car now is worth 22000 It actually went up in value. So I asked my class, what do you think that would be worth in the S&P 500? $18,000 in 1980, $1.6 million. So that's the true cost of that of that car in 1980. The second section is- The interesting thing, in not to cut you off, Tom, but the interesting thing too about that car, that person probably didn't pay $18,000 cash. I bet they took out a loan, right? Yeah. On the 18000 So oh, yeah. any appreciation that they might've had, if it was still in pristine yeah. condition and had gotten to 22, still would be offset by some of that interest you paid. Although he was an engineer at GM, so he probably only paid sixteen thousand got a discount. Right, so maybe right. it's only worth one point four million instead of one point <laughs> right, six million. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So I, I touch on that briefly just to get them to understand this. And especially most of the people I talked to are in their twenties. So I said, please just start now. Start something now in your twenties because it's the time value is so incredible. The second section is investing mostly in equities. And you guys know that, you know, stocks are are king. I do have one friend here in my town who has gold bars in his basement and he's doing okay, but he's a medical professional. He made so much money. He didn't need to invest in equities, but the vast majority of us have to do with stocks to, to get some magnification of our savings. Uh, the third section is once you decide to invest in stocks, use index funds, not managed mutual funds. That's something I didn't understand myself until 10 years ago. We still did okay because we had good Janus mutual funds, but the index funds, I've read a lot of John Bogle stuff and, and, I'm very convinced now that you can never beat the market over the long term. So you might as well just use index funds and, and save costs, right? The, the but, low fees are everything. But as you know, Tom, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna jump in and save you here because it really wasn't your fault. I mean, for guys that have been investing for a long time, you look at maybe 15 years ago. I mean, I'm thinking about the late 90s, early thousands. I was just starting to to really put my arms around index funds. Before then, it was always 
go to Morningstar.com and look up the best manager you can find, which Janice was, you know, was always on that list. Yeah. And that's in, you know, I, like I said, we did okay using that, but I think we would have done even better using index funds. Yeah. And certainly going forward, if you look at the stats, John Bogle's got a great book called the little book of common sense investing. By the way, part of my talk is just book reports. I've read a lot of books in the last uh, few years. And so I've, I have a little snippet of each book and what I've learned from that. And I, I balance all those out so they don't have to read them. By the way, the, before I even start, I say there's 13 words I can tell you all you ever need to know. And everything else is just trying to convince you that it's true and that so you don't waver. And I should I should find the 13 words because I, uh, <laughs> I have them somewhere. But um, here it is. Uh, automate investments into a diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds, semicolon, rebalance annually. That's all you need to know. But, but like I said, I want to convince you that it's true so you don't go listen to some fly-by-night marketer. The last section, something I didn't really know until the last two or three years after we realized we were already financially independent, but didn't know it because I was very unorganized. But then I realized we have to diversify and had to rebalance annually. And diversification, I had not any kind of coherent strategy. Now I realize you need not just large cap, you need large cap and small cap and international. There's been periods of uh, 20 years when internationals did better than U.S., Right now, the last 10 or 20 years, it hasn't. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the next 20 years it won't. And so I'm a fan of um, reducing risk overall by diversification. How has it changed over the years? How have you tweaked the presentation? Um, it's only been two years. Yeah. So I've done it probably six or seven times um, okay. for groups of five or six people. Sometimes I skip things. Well, like my own son was in one class with his couple of pilot friends, and I was going to skip over the compound interest section because I thought, well, you guys are all math guys, you know this. And they said, no, no, we don't skip over it. And people don't really understand compound growth until you show some examples, like the car that's worth a million, 1.5 million after 40 years. You know, You're, The human mind cannot grasp compound growth until you look at examples. I remember when I would give uh, dinner seminars when I was with American Express and I would uh, go over the rule of 72 and just looking around rooms of people, and as I'm doing it on my fingers, the compounding interest using the Rule 72, just looking at how people were amazed by, you know, how much money $10,000 now is going to be worth 30 years from now. Like, just a just an absolutely powerful number. Well, I, I, the light bulbs that go off after just one hour are amazing, and because people are so clueless. I, I listen to you guys, and I listen to seven or eight different financial podcasts, and I've read a lot of books. So some of the stuff is becoming so obvious to me, but then I realized not everybody has the same background or interest and they don't know or even care. They just want someone to tell them what to do. It sounds like so. even though you put a lot of time into it and a lot of work into it and you're charging nothing, I just get this feeling talking to you, Tom, that the ROI, your return on this investment just through life happiness seems to be great. Like this seems like a huge ROI for you. Bingo, bingo, especially like this newly married couple. It was really cool. And he was one of my Eagle Scouts. And scout mastering is, is very has some parallels because when we go to an Eagle Scout court of honor, I've had 28 Eagle Scouts, including my four sons. That's the paycheck of scouting. I mean, for those who don't know, scout master is no pay and it's a lot of work. I just got back from a three-week trip you know, in New Mexico at Philmont backpacking. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah, very tough conditions. You know, people ask me why I do it. I say, well, I see the paycheck, but with changed lives, basically. Yeah, that's powerful. And, and, and yeah, I don't need the money anymore either. So it's like that's what I'm after now is 
helping people get a big head start on life. Well, I think like John Hope Bryant said when he was on the show, just if we can bring more people along with us, it makes everybody, it just raises all ships. Well, thanks for sharing your journey doing that. Um, I was so excited to hear that you're out there spreading the good word. (laughs) And uh, thanks for nerding out with us and fellow stackers. I appreciate it, Tom. Oh, my pleasure. I love how he gets people in with a free dinner and homemade ice cream. Like I would be there. I'm like, you know what, Tom? I will sit through your 200 slides if I get a dinner and ice cream. Thanks to Tom for telling that story. I think it's time to thank a lot of people. Uh, well, you know what? We're going to do that in a couple minutes because I forgot. Let's throw a Dave and Lifeline. Oh, gee, and tackle some of life. We're like, see you later. Yeah, bye. We're done. Eh, not quite. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Apparently, ending this podcast, I value first, OG. But actually, this is a great question we've got here. So I definitely am excited about this one. They say it's your loved ones and your time. You may buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now and you'll get a free quote. It's all online, peeps. They've taken out all the baloney questions they don't need you to answer. So they go from this 25-page application down to a very simple, quick one. Prices are affordable. You don't have to wait several weeks for a decision. And all their policies issued by parent company Mass Mutual that's more than 160 years old. So you know you've got an insurer who's been there before. You know who's getting the t-shirt today for being brave and calling in? It's Nick. Say hi, Nick. Hey, Joe, OG. I got a question for you. It has to do with 529s. Uh, I live in a state where we get an awesome tax break for putting into your child's 529. Uh, they give you a 20% break up to a $1,000 tax credit. So if you put in $5,000, you get the max of $1,000 tax credit, which is awesome. But you can only do that for one 529. Uh, now that I'm expecting another child, I would like to put in more than that 5,000. One to, to run an idea by you. I was thinking if I gifted my mother or my father $5,000 and they put the $5,000 into my child's 529, then they could get the $1,000 tax credit as well on their taxes and then they could gift that $1,000 tax credit back to me at tax time. Obviously, a lot of moving parts, obviously a lot of uh, having to trust and things of that nature. I get it. I'm really just kind of calling to see, is this sleazy? Am I just trying to be too tax efficient here? Is this too much of a gray area? Should I just say, well, it's not worth a thousand bucks? Yeah. Love to hear your take. Thanks. Thanks for that question, Nick. And the only question that I have before we start, OG, if he gets a $1,000 tax credit on a $5,000 gift, that's a 20% tax rate. Is he is he doing the math right? Or is- well, I think what he's saying is if you contribute to the state's 529 plan, then you get to hit a minus 1,000 on your tax return. Hopefully he means tax credit, not tax deduction. That would be a different thing altogether. I don't know. I would just check that, Nick. Maybe it's right. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if it's right or wrong. He, he didn't, didn't tell, tell us what, what state. state. Jinx, double jinx, blackout jinx. <laughs> That's what my kids say. I don't know what any of that means, but they say that. And so now I say it because I don't know what, I, I just don't want to have blackout jinx. It sounds really terrible to have. I know what state we're in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No taxes, hook them. 
Oh, that's that's not the state. No, that is not. I'm I'm in a state of confusion right now. Yeah, because exactly. so many things going on. But anyway, so let's assume that he meant a tax credit. So I guess let's talk about tax credits and tax deductions. So tax deduction means that you'll take that income. Let's say that you made fifty thousand dollars. You live in Arkansas. I don't know, and you put five thousand dollars in your uh, five twenty nine. A tax deduction means that you will only be taxed on forty five thousand. You made fifty. You put in five. You get taxed on forty five. A tax credit, on the other hand, is let's say that you made fifty, you figure out all your taxes, and it says you owe us thirty two hundred bucks, but you have a tax credit of a thousand dollars. So obviously, tax credits are way better than tax deductions. But let's assume that's what he's talking about. Can he gift money and then get the re gift and the gifting and the you know the white elephant gift and all sorts of gifts? I don't know that you really want to go on a public podcast and be like, so let me talk about tax fraud. (laughs) But let me put it this way. Can you give your parents $5,000? Yes. Are there any reporting requirements required for that? No. No. Once your parents have your $5,000, are they free to do with it whatever they choose? Yes. Could that also include opening a 529 for your child? Yes. Absolutely. Could they then also get a tax credit by doing that? Yes. Based on what you're talking about? Sure. Could they then also choose, independent of all of that stuff, to give you $1,000? Absolutely. Are there any reporting requirements related to that? Not at all. Are you overthinking all of this? Probably. <laughs> but, by a lot. <laughs> but if you want to do all that stuff... Hey, a thousand bucks is a lot of money. If it is a thousand dollars, it's a lot of money. I'm with you, man. I mean, a thousand dollars, break that into hourly. Like how much time does this take? Almost no time to do. Yeah. I wouldn't exactly be thinking of it of like, let me figure out a way to skirt the system. I would just, you know, I would be uh, thinking of it different. Is it kind of slimy? That was the other question. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Feels kind of slimy, but not terrible. It's not on, on the slime meter. It's a two, you know? So uh, make it happen. Here's the great news. Seriously, if you put 5K away for your newborn kid every year for till they're 10. Bam. Dude, you are going to be so overfunded in college. It's going to be ridiculous. If you're able to swing 5K a year per kid in a 529, college is going to be a breeze for you financially. That's the impressive thing out of all of this, frankly, in my book. So I kind of think in the back of my mind, if you're if you're trying to napkin math, like how much do I have to put away? I kind of think if you start when your kid's a newborn and you invest $100 a month per year of school for 18 years, you'll have enough for your kid's school. So if you say, well, I want to pay for like half my kid's school. It's like, great, it's 200 bucks a month from the time they're born. Oh, crap, I forgot about it. And now my kid's 10. Well... You're a little behind. That's okay too. Do something, you know. Start now. All you need is a few years, like uh, the last couple of years in the market, and you'll be like way ahead of the game. Just bank on some hundred percent return years, and I was going to say that's why I'd wait. I'd totally wait. <laughs> Just wait until the market goes up hundred percent, and then that's do it. it. Yes. Uh, so, anyways, all the stuff that you said can be done. We have. Our, I'm, I'm with you. Joe and OG have a little spidey sense tingling of the usage of the word credit. But hey, if you're right and you get a thousand bucks for putting in five grand, Oof. email us what state that is so that uh, we can also be residents of that state and also <laughs> get a thousand dollar credit. 
and then what we'll do is we will move our we will we'll uh, move on june 29th we'll get a plot of land that's uh, about uh, 20 yards wide and we'll say it's our permanent residence which isn't slimy at all no not at all it's like those things that you can see on instagram that says you can own it like a sliver of land in scotland to be a lord yes yeah so you can be a lord i can yeah. be a lord of arkansas hashtag goals which we say, but by the way, we've driven through Arkansas a million times. You would love Arkansas. Arkansas is a freaking awesome state. I yeah. I think I've said it's it very a beautiful. billion yeah. times. I was excited when we first moved here about exploring Texas, and I have been thrilled exploring Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. And it's funny, my brother-in-law does not believe me. When my yeah. when my son graduated from the University of Texas, he's like, Austin? Oh my God, I'm in. That's great. And then my, Massachusetts? My, beautiful. my daughter was graduating from the University of Arkansas, which is in Fayetteville. That whole Northwest Arkansas area is amazing. And he's like, yeah, uh, I think I'm busy. I'm not sure I can. I'm like, you don't know what you're missing, man. You got no idea. Nick's like, what does this have to do with my question? Yeah. Thanks for the question, Nick. If you've got a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and we'd be happy to pontificate for a little bit and then go way off the rails on your question too. All right, that's going to do it for today. I said we had a lot of people to thank, and man, we do. And I know Doug's going to do this as well, I'm sure. But first of all, big thanks to Will Rhyme from Granite Shares for showing up, but huge thanks to members of our Stacker family, Lisa and Tom, for stepping up and sharing some of the awesome stuff they did. It's so exciting watching all the stuff that you guys do. And uh, I'm just thrilled that we get to spend time with uh, some smart people, OG. Get to hang out with some very smart people. Can't wait to meet a lot of you as we hit the road in January, uh, the first quarter of next year. You'll see a lot of us in a lot of cities, and we'll be ready to announce that, I think, OG. We had some good news that you know that I can't share yet, but in a few weeks, I'm hoping we can announce the tour and what cities exactly we're going to. Anyway, enough talking about stuff I can't talk about. Um, Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Yeah, I cannot repeat the stuff about the things today. Last but not least, hey, if you're somebody that needs to make better financial decisions, if you're like Lisa getting ready for retirement or you're somebody who is, uh, like Tom, interested in personal finance, but you really feel like you need better help in your corner, you know what? OG and his team are taking clients. So head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG, and that's the link to their calendar, and they can tell you how their team can interface with you so you make better money decisions. All right, Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we, and there's a lot we should have learned, but what should we have learned today? So, what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from Will Rind from Granite Shares. Because of the unique volatility from precious metals, maybe allocating a small percentage of your portfolio to this asset class can help smooth out the ride. Second, giving lessons to family or retiring early? Take cues from some of the amazing people around you. What are they working on? If they're like Lisa or Tom, they've got some great things brewing. What, the big lesson? When I said it was National Nude Day, I didn't plan on everyone dropping their clothes. They say it's what's on the inside that matters, and oh, we thank God for that every single day down here in the basement. Wait, wait, who's coming down the stairs? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, Joe's mom, too? Oh, God. To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. 
If you'd like to learn more about Will Rind and the current state of precious metals, just head on over to GraniteShares.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2021, and is created by Joe Saul Seahide. Our producer is Karen Rapine. The show is written by Taylor Stevens with help from Joe and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen, check out our show notes page written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. Brooke and Joe also collaborate on a guide to the show and with lots of extras we couldn't include on today's podcast. Heck, they'll also throw in some life money lessons from Joe and it's all free. It's called The Stacker and you'll find it at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. Once we get all of this goodness bottled up, it goes over to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart, who helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to talk about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group, The Basement. She also is our social media coordinator, so say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. She and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. For a URL that'll take you right to our Facebook group, by the way, type stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and until next time, remember, kids, it's not nearly as fun doing this naked as you might think. I did not expect to be working this late. You and I said, "Hey, we got an opportunity." We uh, we said, "Hey, let's uh, just grab a." Well, we're kind of behind with all the vacations and just with the vacations patchwork it together. Vacation. One of okay. us had a vacation. One of us held down the fort. Okay. Well, and one of us will be going on vacation, I and I won't throw your <laughs> in the wind the when sh- that happens. The shoe's about to be on the other foot. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm excited. We have two things coming up. Uh, the first one is. In six weeks from now, we're all getting together, and we're going to go see Wicked in Dallas. We are going to go see Wicked. Have you seen Wicked? I have not. Cheryl has. Okay. She's super excited to see it Yeah, it's my favorite story of all time. How many times have you seen it? Maybe four. It's by far my favorite story. Like, of all things, it's my favorite story. And that's at the end of August, right? Yeah. And then, Hamilton's coming to Dallas, and longtime listeners of the show will remember the Hamilton uh, arbitrage, which I did not do this go around. I considered it, but did you I did buy not. the tickets? Of course I did. I, I, and I, and I said, Hey, do you want to go? And you're like, no. And my wife was really angry because I was 99% sure that we were out of town. And she's like, you kidding me? Why didn't you ask me who, which one of us knows the calendar? Do you want to go? They're still available. Uh, uh, what day is it? We're going the Sunday before Thanksgiving. It is. We will not be here. I told her it was in September. I totally 
couldn't remember no, the it's date. A, it's the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, we will not be here. Now, it's here for four weeks, so you should come if you can. Well, should have picked a day I could go. But I'm headed to Michigan because I have to see family. And usually, you know, family comes here during the winter, and I'm going to be gone uh, for the first 100 days of 2022. So I need to go see some people. I already know your fall schedule is going to be packed, oh, dude. It's <laughs> Mine is already packing up. Hey, uh, on that note, something coming up and we, we, I should have talked about this in the main show and I suppose we'll do this next week. But if you are in Nashville or anywhere close to Nashville, we would love to see are you. Are you from Nashville? Cause you're the only 10 I see. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he's nope. here all week. Can't, can't use that line. Uh, well, you just did. So oh. if you're in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm going to give you the date right now, August 3rd from seven to nine, we're having a stacker meetup at the Bavarian, I believe the Bavarian beer house, beer hall, beer, something or other. You guys know what it is. Are you it's, sure you don't mean Frankenmuth? <laughs> I don't, but it is. <laughs> the, you're so great the, with time. And you told Cheryl that Hamilton's in September. I want to be person, sure that we're not meeting in Frankenmuth. And the person, in the person that, that helped me set this up said it's close to the place where our conference is going to be. We're at a podcasting conference. It's within walking distance, which is perfect for us that we can get there. And there's like, you talk about Bavaria nonstop. It's just, it's wonderful. So I can feel like I'm back in Bavaria, but we're going to be there seven to nine. I am going to be there. There's a 90% chance you're going to be there. And great news. Uh, Paula Pant is also going to be there. I haven't seen Paul in a while. Yeah. We also have some other rock stars. I know already scheduled to come. Uh, Lee Huffman from Bald Thoughts and Bald Travel. Uh, you know, Lee, great mm -hmm. guy in Nashville. And then also our friend, uh, Jennifer Grimson who runs Micro Empires, and she uh, has this fantastic Micro Empires podcast. So she's going to be there as well, and um, there's going to be more. But please come hang out with us, Nashville. Or anybody who lives around Nashville. Uh, come join us. You're going to hear more about that. But Nashville, come on out. We'd love to meet you. Stand by for an urgent message from the crack team at Stacking Benjamins. Well, it's funny, OG just hung up. And we realized that we forgot to tell you maybe the most important thing, which is that whether you're looking at buying your first car, your dream car, auto purchases are big investments. Bet you didn't know that. Glad you waited, aren't you? There's a lot of things to consider, like how much is that car? How do I negotiate that price? And then if you can't pay for it in cash, well, then what's the down payment going to be? What's the interest rate, the monthly payment schedule? But Navy Federal Credit Union makes it super simple with their fast and easy auto loan process. You can apply online or on their mobile app or by phone. OG has done this process and said, bam, it is quick. I would ask him, but he's already gone. You'll enjoy rates as low as 1.79% APR. Navy Federal guides you through finding what you can afford, the monthly payment. And if you use their uh, car negotiation tool powered by TrueCar, you'll even be able to hopefully score a much better price. So a better price, a better interest rate, Navy Federal helping out their members because they're members of their mission. Credit and collateral subject to approval, rates subject to change and are based on credit worthiness, advertised rate available for new vehicles, message and data rates may apply. Find out more stackers at NavyFederal.org. That's NavyFederal.org, insured by NCUA.
Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval.